Today's episode is brought to you by Canva. Uh, We're all looking for ways to make an impact at work, but not all of us are skilled in visual design. A Canva helps you get your point across uh, simply and beautifully. It's easy to design Canva presentations, docs, whiteboards, and videos. You start with a designer-made template and customize it with your content. Uh, plus, add graphics, charts, and more from Canva's massive media library. Whatever department you work in, Canva is perfect for any task. Sales decks, hiring docs, marketing brainstorms, employee videos, you name it. Anyone at work can design with Canva. Start designing today at canva.com. Designed for work. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hears from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to BrainStuff from How Stuff Works. Hey there, BrainStuff. Lauren Vogelbaum here. Flight is a hard thing to master. The vast majority of vertebrates can walk, swim, or do both. But in the history of life on this planet, only three groups of backboned animals have ever evolved the ability to fly. Early bats acquired this skill roughly 52 million years ago. Feathered dinosaurs began to experiment with flight back in the Jurassic period. Incidentally, you probably know of their descendants today as birds. Yet, while birds and bats are still around, the animals that first pioneered vertebrate flight are long gone. That's because 228 million years ago, a flying clade of reptiles evolved. These were the pterosaurs. Though Hollywood often mislabels them as dinosaurs, they actually represented a separate, contemporaneous group. 
For more than 160 million years, dinosaurs and pterosaurs lived side by side. It was an exciting time to be an aeronaut. During their reign, the pterosaurs diversified like crazy. Some species would be comparable to sparrows in size. Others had wingspans of 36 feet, that's 11 meters or more, making them the largest flying animals of all time. Then, 66 million years ago, the pterosaurs succumbed to the same mass extinction that wiped out all non-avian dinosaurs. In 1784, Italian naturalist Cosmo Collini became the first person to write a formal scientific description of a pterosaur skeleton. At the time, he thought this strange-looking animal was some kind of deep-sea creature. But thanks to hardworking paleontologists, we've learned a great deal about these winged wonders. Nonetheless, there are still some large gaps in our knowledge. One big mystery involves the early lives of young pterosaurs. The first confirmed dinosaur nest was unearthed in 1923. Since then, fossil hunters have excavated thousands of dino eggs at sites all over the world. Yet pterosaur eggs are considerably rarer. None whatsoever were discovered until 2004, when two appeared in China and a third showed up in Argentina. In 2011, a fourth egg was found next to the skeleton of its presumed mother, an adult animal from the genus Darwinia teres. Three years later, an, another Argentinian egg emerged, along with five additional Chinese specimens. So, until very recently, the global scientific community hadn't found enough pterosaur eggs to fill a standard egg carton. But paleontologists just hit the motherlode. In the December 2017 issue of the journal Science, a Chinese research team announced the discovery of a new site in China's Gobi Desert containing at least 215 pterosaur eggs. Sixteen preserved embryos were found there as well, along with some skeletons from hatchling, juvenile, and adult pterosaurs. These eggs are roughly 120 million years old and were laid by Hamateris tianchinesis, a crested toothy species with an 11-foot wingspan, that's about 3.3 meters. Pterosaur experts are still trying to assess where it belongs on the family tree. One such authority is paleontologist David Hone, who told us in an email that Hamateris's closest relatives were most likely various groups of pterosaurs known for being ocean-going or at least coastal foragers. In terms of lifestyle, he says these animals would have behaved like today's gulls and albatrosses. The newfound bounty of eggs was recovered by a team representing the Beijing-based Chinese Academy of Sciences. Most of the shelled treasures were embedded in a sandstone block that may be hiding even more clutches that have yet to be revealed. One reason why this find is so spectacular has to do with the fragility of pterosaur eggshells. Like modern chickens, extinct dinosaurs laid hard-shelled eggs. Contrast these with the eggs of present-day snakes, whose shells are thin, soft, pliable, and have the texture of old parchment. Pterosaur eggs resembled the latter, a fact confirmed by previous discoveries. Because their shells were so soft, these rare eggs tend to get squished flat by the forces of fossilization, yet the ones at this new Chinese site were preserved in three dimensions. The discovery's implications are still open to debate. Chinese Academy of Sciences paleontologist Shaolin Wang was the lead author of the paper in the journal Science, which announced this big find. In it, he and his co-authors suggest the site may have a lot to say about pterosaur parenting— as Wang and his colleagues point out, some of the embryos lack teeth, and their wing bones seem underdeveloped. The paleontologists think this could mean that newly hatched Hamateris could neither fly nor eat solid food. Thus, they would have had to depend on their parents for protection and sustenance. Other scientists have disagreed with that conclusion. In present-day reptiles, teeth are one of the last things embryos develop. So while these developing pterosaurs were toothless, they might still have grown some chompers before hatching. Also, according to Michael Habib, a pterosaur specialist at the University of California, the fetal wings appear quite robust, meaning the newborns might have been able to start flying right away.
A point of consensus among paleontologists, though, is that pterosaurs probably didn't brood their eggs like present-day birds. For one thing, as Hone told us, the extinct reptiles simply could not sit like birds due to the anatomical differences. Also, while pterosaurs were coated with fuzzy stuff, they lacked feathers, which roosting avians used to keep their clutches nice and warm. Another leading expert in modern pterosaur science, one S. Christopher Bennett of Fort Hayes State University in Kansas, agrees. He said via email, There is no evidence and no reason to think that pterosaurs incubated their eggs. Rather, they probably deposited them in sands, soils, or vegetable matter like modern reptiles. In the past, Bennett has championed the idea that at least some pterosaurs formed nesting groups near environments suitable for the hatchlings to feed and grow safely. He feels the new hematerist site may lend some credence to that notion, a sentiment shared by Wang and his co-authors. Bennett added, Careful excavation of pterosaur egg deposits could certainly provide evidence as to whether eggs were buried and whether pterosaurs reused nesting sites year after year. Today's episode was written by Mark Mancini and produced by Tristan McNeil. For more on this and lots of other thunders topics, visit our home planet, HowStuffWorks.com. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought... In that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.